0: Jesus is. Real.
1: We love the fact that different groups put those faders of scripture and tradition. They put them in different spots. Now, there are times where we're like, hey, listen, we don't agree with this so much that we can't like fellowship with them. But you'll notice here at Crossroads, we're never bagging on other churches. Ever. Why? Because everyone needs to be the unique expression of the body. And there are people who connect to all the different types of expressions.
0: There are some people who say that the makeup of every church should reflect the mix of people in that area or in America in general. The thing about that, though, is that God made us unique. We have different preferences and life experiences. Pastor Daniel will be talking about the importance of making sure that you're where God wants you to be, and that you're using the talents God's given you to make the church a better place for everyone. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, as he continues his message, Our Unique Expression.
1: Any biblical functioning of the gifts of the Spirit is in the context of the grace of God. And anything apart from the grace of God is not the gifts of the Spirit. But we're not saved by works, we're saved unto good works which God has for us. And so for each one of our lives, uh, James in his letter says it quite simply that faith without works is dead. Which means that our faith is What we believe ends up playing itself out in concrete ways that we live our lives. And as I said earlier, grace makes us the kind of people who want to live that way. Now, what I want to tell you is this, that as it relates to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and Crossroads as a church family specifically... What we learn in these verses also is that our expression of the gifts must be unique. Because we see here in verse 10, for we are Christ's workmanship. And that word workmanship, it's the Greek word poema, which we get our English word poem from. Some people would say we are like God's uh, in-process work of art that's been created in Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in. Now, what this means is that as it relates to how the gifts want to function in every context... God wants to do different things in different contexts. And I think the biggest mistake that happens and why there's so much animosity towards the gifts is people experience the gifts in one house of worship and then they try and superimpose it on another house. And my friends, that is not walking in the spirit, that is trying to put on someone else's wardrobe. Do you remember that great story? Remember when David came? He wasn't there to fight in the war but he was there to bring provisions for his older brothers. And he heard Goliath taunting the God of Israel and the children of Israel. And then David's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I mean, what a crazy thing to say. Talk about fighting words. Like, who is this guy talking smack against the God of Israel? I'll go on out there and take him. And his brother's like, David, go away. What is wrong with you? And David's like, no, no, I'm going to go do this. And then they brought David to King Saul because nobody wanted to fight Goliath. It was like getting into the ring with Mike Tyson circa, like, 1985. Like, nobody wanted to be in there. The guys who were in there got paid a lot of money to run around for 13 seconds and fall down. Right? So nobody wanted to be in there. But sure enough, Saul's like, well, you better, if you're going to go out there, you better put my armor on. And so tall, Saul was a tall guy at the point. David was young. And David went out. He put Saul's armor on. He's like, I can't wear this. Because it's someone else's armor. And the beauty of what God wants to do in every house is because God is sovereign, he wants to do different things. But what happens is is we live in a day and age, especially, and I'm not against this, we're going to talk about this in in a second, but so often we want to be where the action is at. So we go to somewhere that something's happening, and they're like, oh, this is what's happening, and then we try and bring it everywhere else. And that's not, I believe, what God wants to do at all, because what God wants to do in each house is unique, and because each church family is inhabited by all different people. The way God works in different places are different. And so we need to allow the expression of the gifts here at Crossroads that is unique to who God called and created us to be. Because each one of us is God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus Unto good works, which God prepared beforehand that you would walk in. Do you ever end up walking in a gifting or you end up walking in a calling and you're like, I was made to do this, but you didn't know it before. I remember this happened for me with preaching because if in high school there was superlatives for the most likely never to be a Christian pastor, I would have won that (laughs) by a landslide. It wouldn't have been like a couple, it's like, I would have won that. But I remember like when people started saying, Daniel, you're going to make a great pastor. And I'm like, well, like, I was a professional musician. I'm like, man, I got a plan for my life. It has nothing to do with being a pastor. Literally, that's what happened. And I'll never forget the first time a buddy, Pastor Luke Frechette, who was here a couple weeks ago, you know, Luke with the long beard from the Southern, the Oregon coast. I love him so much. He was going on a mission trip and he was getting engaged. And so he's like, hey, will you teach my Bible study? And I'm like, okay, I'll teach your Bible study for you. And sure enough, I went, and I'll never forget it, because the pastor's wife and the pastor's daughter was in the back row of this Bible study. And I thought to myself, oh, man, they're going to throw me out of this church so fast. <laughs> the pastor's wife's here. Like, I'm in the principal's office already. <laughs> but after the Bible study was over, I'll never forget it. She came up to me. and She said, Daniel, you're going to make a phenomenal pastor. I'm like, oh, stop. Stop. I'm like, you don't have to say that. She's so like, no, no, you're really gifted for this. But what I realized once I started walking in that gift, and I'm like, Oh, I was prepared for this. All these events in my life, all these things that happened prepared me for this. Why? Because we are all his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God prepared where? Beforehand that you'd walk in. God has already placed the gifts within you, and so much of life is uncovering. Lord, what are these gifts you've placed in me, and how do you want them to function? That's true for all of us. Unique. You're all uniquely gifted prepared beforehand by God for specific things that you can do because he prepared you beforehand, before the foundations of the earth. And so we have to make sure that we allow our expression of the gifts to be unique. And what that means is you have to be okay being unique and not being like someone else. So often as it relates to the gifts, somebody will function in a gift and you're like, well, why do they have that and not me? And my friends, that is missing the point. Because it's not about us. It's about what God wants to do. Listen to how Paul talks to the church in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. He says this, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise." We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. I love this. A lack of wisdom is when we measure ourselves by others or we compare ourselves by others. Now, I know this sounds scary because we live in a world where everybody is kind of sizing one another up, like football training camp just began and, you know, it's like everyone's like, this guy's this tall and this fast, he does this and this, and everything's a measurement. But really what God is inviting each one of us is to trust that because Jesus saved us by grace, he has a plan and a purpose for us in that grace And it doesn't matter how I stack up against anybody else. What matters is that I walk out who God made me to be, that I fulfill the purposes that God has prepared me for. And what God is doing in someone else's life, we can celebrate it, but we don't have to try and mimic it. For me, this is the most important thing, because what goes on is that people have a tendency to want to gift project other church families or other things onto each other. And I'm here to tell you, that's completely missing the grace of God and the purpose he has for each one of us. So I want you to look at the person next to you and say, you're God's work of art. Look at the person on the other side and say, me too. (laughs) Now, what I love about this, because we live in a world that's so comparison-laden, we have a tendency to think, well, their work of art is nicer than mine. And I'm here to tell you, that's just your insecurities talking. God does not make mistakes in how he creates us. The key is to figure out what is the holy expression of who I am look like and how am I supposed to walk it out? Now, from there, I gotta lay a little bit more foundation before like, I can really get into all the details of all the gifts and how it all works. And it's simply this, brothers and sisters, we all... Have to understand church. You have to understand church. Now, what I mean by that, I'm not talking about understanding church. Like everyone, the church is the body of Christ. The church is the collection of those who are saved. It's people, not buildings, all that. But really, every church family through all of history, we have to understand what makes a church function and why it functions that way. Now, this is really important for us because many of you have other church backgrounds, or you've always been here at Crossroads, or you're going to move from here and you're going to go to another church. What I want you to understand is that every church is defined by three things. The three things are scripture, tradition, and experience. Now, what this means is that you go to any church, any church, it's almost like When a local congregation comes together, however they start, however old they are, there's these three, like right now, uh, is that, I can't see that far. Is that Jacob in there? Is that Tyler in there? Oh, Jacob. Yeah, Jacob's there. He's in the sound booth. Sound guys have the coolest job because they have all of these buttons and faders, right? And so like I always love the fact that the person with the most power in church other than Jesus is the sound guy, Because if Jacob does not want you to hear what I'm saying, he'll just mute my mic. Go ahead, do it. I'll keep talking just like that. So you can't hear me at all. And then he puts it back on. Yes. It's a good duet we're doing, Jacob. See how that worked? I can have all the greatest things in the world. He wants to power me down. It's like, boom, foos goes off. Oops, sorry. I didn't know what happened. I was went to grab my coffee. I didn't like what you were saying. Ding, you know. But here's the deal. It's like every church has these three faders. Scripture tradition, and experience. And then they decide how they're going to function based on these three things. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Because I've been around for long enough, every church fights over their faders compared to your faders. And I'm a lover of church history, so you see this so clearly in church history. Like, if you think of the Protestant Reformation, what happened was is the Catholicism that had been the predominant expression of Christianity in the West was heavy on tradition And because they were heavy on tradition, it was almost like the word of God was kind of pulled back a little bit. And Martin Luther, who was a Catholic priest, wasn't trying to split the church or anything. He was studying the scriptures in seminary and he's like, oh wait, we got a whole bunch of stuff wrong. We're actually supposed to do it this way. And really the reformation said, oh wait, the tradition has some errors in it. And so let's place the word of God and push it forward. And so by pushing it forward, he's actually also dialing back some of the tradition and you get this whole split of the church. Now, what's funny is, is if you talk to people who are Catholic and are passionate about their Catholicism, so you know what the problem is with the Protestant churches? They have no sense of tradition. If you talk to people who who aren't in the Catholic church and a more bible teaching church, you know what the problem is with the liturgical churches? They just don't really take the word of God seriously. And really, all they're doing is everyone's got different faders, and they're arguing about it. Now, with that, not only is there scripture and tradition, there's also experience, the church has always been formed because God is doing a work in every generation. And people at all times are having experiences with God, and that experience is driving how they understand tradition, how they understand scripture. Like, let me give you an example. If you read the book of Acts, do you remember the apostle Peter? He was at a house, and he was on the roof, and he started having these visions of these strange visions. You know what I mean? It's like he's got like there's a bed sheet. There's all these animals. You know, And then he hears a voice that says, Peter, arise, kill and eat. And Peter's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm a good kosher Jewish man. I've never eaten unclean animals. He's like, don't call unclean what I've cleansed. And he had this vision a couple times. He heard that this guy is going to come and just go with them. And so they come and this Gentile guy calls for Peter. Peter's like, I'm going to come with you. Now, Peter had never been in the house of somebody who wasn't Jewish before, but he goes because he got this vision from God, and sure enough, he tells them about Jesus, and the Spirit of God falls, and they all start speaking in tongues, and Peter's like, let's baptize all these people. But then he went back to the early church, which was predominantly Jewish, and they're like, Peter, what did you do? He's like, listen, I he's like, blame God. He's like, I had this vision and, you know, and it told me I should not call unclean what God has cleansed. And then these guys showed up and then I went and I told him about Jesus and the spirit of God fell and I said, well, let's just baptize like, It wasn't my fault. <laughs> because what went on is Peter's experience now ran right over the tradition that he had received. And now the early church is like scrambling, like what do we do with it? And then all of a sudden Paul shows up and Paul's like, we're gonna bring the gospel to the Gentiles and we're not gonna make them eat kosher. And they're like, wait, you can't do that. And there's the Jerusalem council. See, the experience of the early church is now driving, what do we have right in tradition? What does the scripture say? And there's this battle that's going on. Now, what I wanna tell you is this, and I think this is so important. As believers, we have a tendency to think And Jacob could tell you this if you asked him about the dynamics of doing sound. If you raise the volume on one, you can actually still raise the volume on the other ones. Now, each time you raise it, it changes the sound experience. But by raising one doesn't mean another one has to go down. Does everyone know about the idea of the zero-sum game? A zero-sum game means if somebody gets a point, somebody has to lose a point. In our flesh, we think everything's a zero-sum game. If someone is blessed, then I am not blessed. But I'm here to tell you, God's kingdom is never a zero-sum game. God's kingdom is a positive-sum game. God can bless somebody, and you be blessed by it as well. It's not like there's only a finite amount of God's blessing, and if someone gets it, then you don't get it. And I'm here to tell you, the greatest thing you can do if you take care of anything away from this is that you have to realize every time you're thinking a zero-sum game, if I get a point, someone's losing a point, that's not God's kingdom. That might be the world we live in. Like if someone takes your market share of your business, they're making money that you used to make. That's a zero sum game. But in God's kingdom, it's a positive sum game. There's unlimited resources, right? Now, what I want to tell you is in every situation, I think we should be 100% in on scripture, 100% in on tradition, and 100% in on experience. Because God's word is God's word, And the tradition of the church for 2,000 years, not that everything in tradition is all correct, but none of it is all completely incorrect either. There is truth in every time and season of the church. And I'm here to tell you, God does not want you to live your life experiencing him as you read about just the experience of Abraham or the experience of Noah or the experience of Paul or Peter. I'm here to tell you, you honor God's word by knowing that God wants you to experience him personally. Does that make sense? And almost all of the arguments about church and the gifts always come down to, well, our expression, we're high on the word of God and we're low on experience, which is what you would call a cessationist position. God's word is perfect, we don't need the gifts. But what's funny is you're hearing that from a preacher and preaching is a spiritual gift, fascinating. You can tweet that out. I'll get in trouble for that. I don't mind. (laughs) Because the Bible says that teaching is a spiritual gift. A preacher's like, we don't believe in the gifts. But why are you up there preaching that? It's a spiritual gift. I believe that we should love God's word with all our hearts. I believe that we should look and learn from the traditions of the church. And not just a short tradition. Now, here's when I tell you. Crossroads was founded in 1975, part of the Jesus movement. And too many people right now... And those of you who've been around for a little bit, too many people think, oh, our tradition goes back to the Jesus movement. I'm here to tell you, no, it doesn't. The Jesus movement goes back to the early church and it weaves its way through all these different epochs. So if you're the kind of person who thinks, man, God was really moving in the 60s, I'm here to tell you, God did a great work in the 60s and 70s, but he was moving way before that. So we should never localize our tradition back 40 years in Southern California. As cool as that was, why would we want to diminish by not valuing all 1920 years before that. So we want to be the kind of people who we love and believe God's word. And we believe God's word is honored by the traditions of the church. Some good, some bad. Some things we don't want to do. Some things we see are beautiful. But in all of them, God is working and people are experiencing him personally and intimately and corporately. And my hope is that you're going to walk away from today and say, I want to love God's word more. I want to know more about the history of the church, not Crossroads, but the church as a whole. And I actually personally want to experience God unlike I ever have before. How God spoke to you in the past is not necessarily what he's going to do for you in the present. Now, with that being the case, here at Crossroads, we love the diversity of the body of Christ. Why? Because we don't believe it's a zero-sum game. We do not believe that if somebody does things differently than us, we don't think that they're bad and we're good. We don't think that they are misguided and we are wonderful. That is being childish and spoiled. We love the fact that different groups put those faders of scripture and tradition, they put them in different spots. Now, there are times where we're like, hey, listen, we don't agree with this so much that we can't, like, fellowship with them. But you'll notice here at Crossroads, we're never bagging on other churches, ever. Why? Because everyone needs to be the unique expression of the body, and there are people who connect to all the different types of expressions. We're not in competition with churches down the road. We don't feel any of that. Why? Because I love what Jesus said. Remember, there were people who were casting out demons in his name, and the disciples were like, we saw these people that were casting out demons in your name, Lord, and we told them to stop it. And Jesus said, no, stop it. Those who aren't with me, they're against me. He's like, let it happen. It's good. The apostle Paul, in the book of Philippians, he says, listen, if people are preaching the gospel for selfish ambition, I'm just happy the gospel's preached. You're like, wow. But you can always tell when a church is focused on the zero-sum game because they think their way of getting more people is bagging on the church down the road. And I have a lot of that kind of stuff that goes on here at Crossroads. If you've got pastors all the time, they're bagging on Crossroads for this or that. I'm like, I get it. You want some of the folks from Crossroads? I get it. I would want them too. They're the best people in the world. <laughs> like, I want them in my church too. Like, it makes sense. But here's the deal we love the diversity of the body of Christ. And you should too. People are gonna practice differently. People are going to get different things. And rather than being closed-hearted to them, I'm here to tell you that in heaven, we're going to have people from all the different styles of churches. And just because you go to a certain church doesn't mean that you're a child of God. So there are things for us to learn. And I'm here to tell you, we as a church are committed to being non-divisive on many issues. We're not going to look down, and we're not against other tribes or churches. We want to be the embodiment of John 17. We love the body of Christ. We want to see the believers walk together in union. doesn't mean we agree on everything. A lot of times with friends of mine, different styles, we have really fun conversations about different things, but we do it around the fellowship table as brothers or sisters. We talk about things. We don't always agree. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I think you're wrong. I'm like, okay. But we love each other because that's life. And of course, listen to it. Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. He I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord... Beseech you to walk worthy of the calling, with which you were called, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Listen to this: endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. There's only one church, is one spirit. And we want to take our rightful place as a unique expression within that greater whole. So we love the body of Christ and we love the diversity that's contained within her. We don't feel that everything has to be exactly like us. And I always get a little nervous when people feel like everything has to be that way.
0: Pastor Daniel made a good point today about valuing scripture, tradition, and experience. All three are important in having a well-rounded relationship, not only with God, but with your brothers and sisters in Christ, whose faith experience is different from yours. Learning to appreciate and even enjoy followers of Jesus who worship differently will display the love of the brethren that Jesus prayed that we would have. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel
1: here. I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I wanna begin to follow Jesus. I wanna help you do that right now. We're gonna pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins fill me with your Holy Spirit, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to
0: 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio, and Pastor Daniel begins a new teaching called, What God Wants. You'll find out that God, who has everything, has things he wants, too. Pastor Daniel will tell you what God wants and what it has to do with you. You'll be encouraged as you learn the value God placed on you, that he designed you to have a purpose that you'll find fulfilling and a blessing to the body of Christ. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Gifted next time on Jesus is Real Radio.